But you know You're not dreaming Signore Excuse me But you see Back in old Napoli That's amore Amore That's amore Walks downstairs, a loner in pairs, and makes a sneakity sound. A spring, a spring, a marvelous thing. Everyone knows it's slinky. It gives a big lift when wrapped as a gift, a very likable toy. It's falling in place, brings smiles to your face, something kids can enjoy. It's slinky, it's slinky, for fun it's a wonderful toy. It's slinky, it's slinky, it's fun for a girl and a boy. And slinky mobiles with big slinky wheels and pistons that move as you go. It makes a great sound when you pull it around. The driver's an old-timey fellow. A slinky dog, a slinky train, many more wonderful toys. You tug the string, they do their thing. They're great for girls and boys. They're slinkies, they're slinkies, really wonderful toys. They're slinkies, they're slinkies, they're fun for girls and boys. Another public service announcement from Brill Cream. Finally, someone has reinvented the wheel. Hey, uh, you tuned into the ravings of a clown on Chester Radio. <laughs> Don't argue with the ball. Roger, we'll go. It's as good as done. The complete solution for your home PC. Here I am. Good evening and welcome to the Ravings of a Clown on Chester Radio. Kind of like a Han Solo. The other way. The other way. Shining now, I'm hung like planet Pluto. Hard to see with the naked eye, but if I crashed into Uranus, I would stick it where the sun don't shine. Yeah. Come on in, have a seat, make yourself to home. Feet up, head back. Come and cook it. See you. Come on in. How you been? Alright, come on in. Have a seat. Make yourself to home. It's time for the ratings of a clown on Jester Radio. Whoa, whoa. It is, uh... Saturday, April the 19th, the year of our Lord, 2008, and you have 
come on a lovely evening. We're going to take a look at what's going on in that sick fucking world of yours. And yes, perhaps a little of what's going on in that sick fucking world of mine as well. Jot this down, 646-502-8600. It's probably a free call, you know, around now because uh, you probably have all those cellular minutes built up over the, you know, month. 646-502-8600. It's not one of those uh, scam phone lines like in the Bahamas where it costs like 39 bucks a minute uh, to have some like 700-pound woman uh, talk dirty to you. It's just a regular downtown uh, New York City phone number, and it's probably uh, past your time when you get uh, free minutes uh, where you are on your celly. So give us a call, 646 646- 502-8600 gets you live on the air with your old pal, the jester. Got something to say? Well, you're gonna before the evening is through. And uh, we're gonna play all your favorite shit, including Warren Zevon, Nick Cave, Carly Simon, the Righteous Brothers, Counting Crows, so much more. Tell us what you want to hear. We'll get it on the air uh, at uh, jesterradio.com. Click on request. And it's uh, virtually uh, insto-magical. Happens like that. Time to turn our attention to the uh, headlines now. From high atop Jester Radio Studios in a secret location outside your universe. All right, that'll do, pig. Pope Benedict XVI focused on the future of his American church today as he marked the third anniversary of his election as pontiff, rallying young people, priests, and seminarians and assuring them of his support as they dealt with the damage from the clergy sex abuse scandal. Man, isn't this guy fucking Johnny on the spot? Only took seven years. On a highly personal day, Benedict spoke of suffering under Nazism in his youth and at another point touched on his own spiritual poverty. He added that he hoped to be a worthy successor to St. Peter, considered the first pope, Benedict began the day with a mass of St. Patrick's Cathedral, a landmark Roman Catholic Church on Fifth Avenue. The building was packed with cardinals and bishops, priests and nuns who cheered him to mark the day he succeeded Pope John Paul II on April 19, 2005. The German-born Pope lamented that what he called the joy of faith was often choked by cynicism, greed and violence and the church. Yet he drew an analogy to show how faith can overcome distractions and trials. The spires of St. Patrick's Cathedral are dwarfed by the skyscrapers of the Manhattan skyline. Yet in the heart of this busy metropolis, they are a vivid reminder of the constant yearning of the human spirit to rise to God. What? In America, he said repeatedly, the religious intensity stands out in marked contrast to the tepid spiritual emphasis in his native Europe. That makes the U.S. a testing ground for him in his bid to counter secular trends in the world. Well, there you go. To the Pope, the United States is a prime example of how we should be, the government and the, and the church should be more intertwined. Not like in the laissez-faire Europe, where they're so secular, they, there's no God on their money, and there's no God in their schools. And, you know, at least in the United States, you have these wackos, I mean, Christians who fight for. So th- there could be nothing worse, in my opinion, than an endorsement by the Pope. 
So the fact that he's holding the United States up as an example for the rest of the world to follow, that's, uh, that's embarrassing. Barack Obama cast his Democratic presidential rival today as a game player who uses slash-and-burn tactics and will say whatever people want to hear. A sharp jab at her character in the final chapter of the pivotal primary campaign in Pennsylvania. Hillary Rodham Clinton implored voters to look beyond whoop-de-doo speech-making and take a hard look at who's got the know-how to deal with the nation's burdens. It's true, he does do a lot of that. I wouldn't call it whoop-de-doo. <laughs> That sounds, that, that sounds celebratory. Uh, but he does do this like Martin Luther King chanting kind of if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit kind of talking. And he really doesn't get down to a lot of specifics. So I'm not really happy about that. When he does, by the way, talk about specifics, he's brilliant. But it just, I don't like that, you know, that sort of hypnotic, now look at her. If it, if you, uh, we go from the main street to Wall Street, and we go from rising on the mountains and the the streets. You know, it's that kind of shit. I just can't fucking stand. They're trying to like hypnotize you. I want everyone thinking, she declared, as if to suggest those backing Obama or not. Her implication was clear. She substance. He's flash. Altogether, the campaign for Tuesday's contest was dissolving into the sort of acrimony that makes party leaders long for the finish line before the nominee is damaged in the fall. Obama's criticisms were direct, while Clinton's were oblique, but unmistakable. At various times in the protracted contest, it's been the other way around. He pressed the case against her at stop after stop, blunt words set against the bucolic backdrop of his train ride through the Pennsylvania countryside. For her part... Clinton stuck, uh, struck back at a new Obama ad that criticized her health care plan, telling a rally in New York, instead of attacking the problem, he chooses to attack my solution. Otherwise, she stuck in her stump speech something of a role reversal in a contest that's seen the New York senator going after her opponent while he's stayed measured. The primary Tuesday follows a month-long hiatus in voting. Party officials known as superdelegates continued drifting toward Obama in that interim, increasing his edge in the race despite his series of gaffes. And that trend is bound to accelerate if he performs strongly on Tuesday. Clinton's hoping a decisive win will put a stop to all that. Polls have suggested she has a consistent, if shrinking, lead. The New York senator spoke under a baking sun outside of Westchester's 170-year-old firehouse, striking a somber note about problems at home and abroad as she described the stakes for voters on Tuesday. She asked them to think about the looming challenge of China, the rest of Middle East, the trade imbalance, and the debt burden. I don't want to just show up and give one of these these whoop-de-doo speeches and get everybody whipped up, she said. I want everyone thinking. As she looked to exploit questions about gravitas, Obama played on poll findings, indicating unease with her veracity, and did so head-on with words that could easily slip into a Republican campaign ad should Clinton become the Democratic contender against GOP candidate John McCain. So they're at each other's throats, and this is what always happens at the end. Uh, They just always end up pointing fingers at each other. It's awful. Uh, You know what? I would say right here and now, the first one to stop gets my vote. Anti-American Shiite cleric Muqtada al-Sadr gave a final warning to the government today. 
to halt a U.S.-Iraqi crackdown against his followers or he will declare open war until liberation. A full-blown uprising by al-Sadr, who has led two rebels, uh, rebellions, I should say, against the, the U.S.-led forces back in '04, could lead to a dramatic increase in violence in Iraq at a time when the Sunni extremist group al-Qaeda in Iraq appears poised for new attacks after suffering severe blows last year. So it's a good thing we invaded Iraq. We just whipped up that whole fucking region into a frenzy, gave them a, a stage, gave them a purpose, and um, you know, gave them you know, free Americans to kill. al Sadr's uh, warning appeared on his website as Iraqi's uh, Shiite-dominated government claimed success in a new push against Shiite militants in the southern city of Basra. Fighting claimed more than 14 more lives in Sadr's city, the Baghdad stronghold of al-Sadr's Mahdi army. Fighting in Sadr's city and the crackdown in Basra are part of a government campaign against the followers of al-Sadr and Iranian-based Shiite splinter groups that the U.S. has identified are now the gravest threat to a democratic Iraq. So the Iran didn't even figure into Iraq's world until um, the United States invaded it. Now they're the primary threat. Primary. So it just uh, it's always fucking something with these people that, you know, some bullshit reason uh, why the war has got to go on, why more Americans have to die, why more Iraqis have to die. Uh, there's just, um, it's just fucking endless. And that's the way it'll stay until uh, George is gone. Rest mark my fucking words. Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown this uh, Saturday, April the 19th. And this one, it's for all the lonely people. You're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio, coming to you from a secret location outside your universe.
Adult mothers who have been allowed to stay with their young children since they were taken from a polygamous sect will be separated from them after DNA sampling is completed next week. So they're going to take DNA on a whole schmear. What a fucking scene this is going to be. And then they're going to get out like a blackboard and they're going to write down who is whose uncle, mother, sister, father, brother. It's going to be like an alphabet soup. State District Judge Barbara Walther late Friday ordered their parents and the children of the Yearning for Zion Ranch submit DNA samples to help sort out family relationships that have confounded authorities since 416 children were taken into state custody two weeks ago. Sampling is to begin on Monday and will probably take several days to complete. Results can take more than a month. Once sampling is complete, the agency will begin moving the children from the San Angelo Coliseum and fairgrounds to other sites. I don't know what the kids are complaining about. <laughs> They're living at the fairgrounds. Child welfare officials allowed adult mothers with children ages four and younger to stay together when the state took custody of the rest of the children from the ranch. Uh, now only mothers younger than 18 will be allowed to remain with their children once the sampling is complete. The welfare agency will also try to keep the siblings together, he said. We're going to make these transitions as easy as possible. By the way, it's not even really possible to um, keep the si siblings together because um, they, pay f they, they play fast and loose with the familial relations there in this cult. So what happens is if the father dies, then his wives and children are split up among the neighborhood. They go, okay, Joe, you take this wife and these kids and you take... Stan, you take this wife, and and then Stan goes, why can't I have the one Joe got? We're going to make these transitions as easily as possible, uh, uh, said the uh, Child Protective Services uh, representative. Uh, we want to keep them together as much as possible so they don't feel like they're completely isolated from their culture or the people they know. Trial welfare officials said figuring out how sect members are related has been difficult because of evasive or changing answers the members have given them. Families that include half-brothers and sisters and those that include reportedly married first cousins can be particularly challenging to unravel. Dr. Arthur Baudet, chairman of the Department of Molecular and Human Genetics, at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, said that uh, DNA testing can be uh, easily deal with these types of complexities. It's reasonable to say that the information from testing will give foolproof documentation as to which parents belong to which children. Although the many unique family ties found in the sect will probably add a layer of difficulty for DNA analysts. Uh, in determining uh, parentage, Boudet said, the added complexity is still not a significant concern. Certain number of DNA markers, segments of the DNA with specific genetic characteristics are tested to determine whether two people are related. Uh, Baudet said that if uh, any uncertainties arise, analysts simply test additional markers. More than 400 children will be tested, but officials have not said how many adults are going to be. 
such a considerable amount of DNA testing is not new, but it's usually associated with trying to identify victims of mass violence or natural disasters. Walther on Friday continued uh, an emergency order giving the state custody of the kids after a sometimes chaotic two-day hearing in which the state argued that the teachings of this uh, crackpot uh, fundamentalist church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints jeopardized the kids. The Child Welfare Agency said that the sect encourages adolescent girls to marry older men and have children and that boys are groomed to become future perpetrators. So that's their rationale for taking the kids away is that the uh, cult is based around marrying, so-called spiritual marrying of these kids as soon as they become pubescent and therefore it corrupts the boys into thinking, you know, everybody gets a fucking, you know, fresh virgin or 12, depending on how much you really love Jesus. So it's really just all about the fucking getting the women, man, getting the sex. I mean, why else get, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people to blindly obey you if not for the sex? I mean, that's what everybody does everything for. And the only people that don't see it are these poor fucking bastards that are, you know, in it. I say bastards. I mean, the guys are are doing okay. But, I mean, when you think about it, you know, apart from there being like no TV or like no, you know, Bruce Springsteen or whatever, it's got to be fucking heaven for a guy in a situation like that. You go to church a lot. You go, like, do these volunteer things where you build the buildings and, and you, you know, do the barn raising, <laughs> whatever the fuck they do. The more, like, you know, obvious you are in your love of Jesus, the more fresh uh, pussy you get. It's just, uh, what the fuck is better than that? A Russian capsule carrying South Korea's first astronaut touched down 260 miles off target. in northern uh, Kazakhstan today after hurtling through the atmosphere in a bone-jarring descent from the International Space Station. It was the second time in a row, the third since 03, that the Soyuz landing went awry. Mission Control spokesman Valerie Linden said the condition of the crew, South Korean bioengineer Yi So-yeon, American astronaut Peggy Whitson, and Russian flight engineer Yuri Malchenko were satisfactory, though the three had been subjected to severe gravitational forces during the re-entry. <laughs> Can you imagine? The Russian TMA-11 craft touched down at 4.51 a.m. Uh, Eastern Daylight Time, just about 260 miles off its mark, Leiden said, a highly unusual distance given how precisely the engineers planned for these landings. It was also around 20 minutes later than scheduled. Search helicopters then took 25 more minutes to locate the capsule and determine everybody was okie-dokie. Officials said the craft followed a so-called ballistic re-entry, a very, very steep trajectory that subjects the crew to extreme physical force. Lyndon said the crew had experienced gravitational forces up to 10 times those on Earth during the three-and-a-half-hour descent. So if you're like 180 pounds, then you weighed 1,800 pounds <laughs> for three and a half hours. The crew is being examined on site by medical officials and were later to return to Moscow for further evaluation. The most important thing is that the crew is healthy and well. Federal Space Agency Chief Anatoly Permanov told Jester Radio, 
The landing occurred normally, but according to a backup plan, the descent was a ballistic trajectory. So it was Houston, we have a problem. And, you know, they said, okay, we're going to have to take this emergency, uh, you know, path, which means you're going to have to <laughs> fucking weigh a ton for the next three and a half hours. Can you imagine feeling like you weigh a ton, like you're just like pressed down into the chair? Holy crap. You know, you're tuned into the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. It's Saturday, April the 19th, and I knew your father. Your father was a rounder. He played that rock and roll. A leaper and a bounder down to his gypsy soul. Jackson Brown on Jester Radio, and tonight we're thinking of missing persons. Leave a word is. Your father was a rounder He played that rock and roll A leaper and a bounder Down to his gypsy soul The music was his angel And sorrow was his star And though Might hope to reach as far They're walking slow in Houston Speechless in D.C. And there's no way I could tell you What he meant to me Your mother's a survivor She'll The man up in the moon To speak of missing person Tonight there's only one And we all carry with us What the man's begun And you can sing
inside you Each time you want to sing Sing of missing persons Tonight there's only one But he's where you can find him When it's said and done And we will sing slow in Houston, speechless in D.C., and there's no way I can tell you what he meant to me. Jackson Brown on Jester Radio with his stirring tribute to uh, Loyal, Lo, uh, Lowell George, uh, the uh, guy from uh, Little Feet. You're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown this Saturday, April the 19th, hanging in the Jester Radio chat room. Why not stop by? Time now to spark one up. I think tomorrow's uh, 4.20. We should do something special for that. Those of you who know what I'm talking about, know what I'm talking about. Uh, President Bush and South Korean President Lee Myung-bak said today that they still expect North Korea to fully declare its nuclear weapons programs 
and proliferation activities in a way that can be verified. Bush tamped down assertions that the U.S. is going soft on the commie regime so the nuclear standoff can be resolved before he leaves office. After two days of meetings at the Camp David uh, presidential retreat, uh, Bush um, and Lee urged patience, saying critics... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Hey, I know what 420 is. Hey, uh, there's, uh, it's Espo on the line. How you doing, buddy? It doesn't matter. I know what 420 is. What is it? You want to hear? Yeah, what is, yeah, what's it all about? 420 is when Hitler was born. What? That's Hitler's birthday. Yeah, but that's got nothing to do with why people celebrate 420 at 420. Well, if he wasn't such a badass, maybe people wouldn't have to uh, get stoned all the time. So, do you know the other meaning, the more psychedelic-related uh, meaning? Yeah, to it's, a, it's a time to smoke pot. It's a time to smoke pot. And uh, no one's quite sure how this... They, of course, they didn't have this around when you and I were kids. Uh, we just... Just in, we had a 24 hour clock. just in case we smoked all day long, just to be sure we had the right time. But nowadays at 4.20 seems to be the correct time to stop for a break, for a special uh, a little treat. And do you observe? Well, I try to, but uh, if I accidentally miss it, then make up for it later. I make up like a motherfucker <laughs> later on. But tomorrow is special because it's April 20th, which makes it 420. So 420 on 420 uh, is probably just a great day to do like a bag of shrooms or something. Yeah, maybe the, the uh, planet will raise an inch. Now, I do remember when we were kids, they did have these marijuana smoking days down in... Um, Washington Square, in Washington Square Park. And there was just, I guess, like, you know, maybe a thousand cops and 10,000 people, so. They would go climb on top of the arch and throw joints off for anyone to grab. No, I don't believe I ever, I was ever there for the free joints from the arch. But yeah. I do remember smoking marijuana in full view of uh, policemen who just shrugged and did nothing. So I don't think that was 420, but it was some special. Yeah, I think it was uh, Halloween or sometime yeah, around there. Maybe. I do remember that um, it happened, you know, more than one year in a row, and that as a special treat for me, uh, who was playing in the park? David Peel. David Peel in the Lower East Side. Holy fuck, what a memory. David Peel in the Lower East Side was playing Have a Marijuana, and uh, it was just, it was a Pope Smokes Dope. Wow, how great would that be to have somebody down there now? Now you can't even look in the bag anymore at Washington Square Park. You have to get home before you find out it's pencil shavings. Yeah, it might not be the place to go anymore. It's not the place but, to go. Uh, hey, you got to play Obvious Child because the Pope is giving mass in the ballpark. And what's the, uh, I'm not sure I relate, uh, I understand the... Uh, listen to the song and you'll hear him singing all about it. Uh, the, the, the Paul Simon song? Yeah. Uh, hmm. The cross is in the ballpark. Ah, uh, the cross is in the ballpark. Gotcha. All right, well, I'll play it. We're playing all... And all right, thanks. I've got to tell you the sad news. What happened? 
Danny Federici's dead. Wow, man. That's really fucked up. Who Who's Danny Federici? Well, you remember a guy named Bruce Springsteen? Sure. I've heard of him. He had a keyboard player and an accordion player. E Street Band. Wow. No longer with us. Wow. I'm so sorry to hear that. I guess I don't remember uh, that name. Is w- w- Was he the piano player on the Born to Run album? Uh, well, Roy Bitten was the real piano ah, player. I see. So he was... Uh, but he was the, the, guy. He was was the touring guy. Days. And so, he was like more the organist, I guess. I see. And that's really sad. What did he die from? Melanoma. Gesundheit. Where? Uh, right in his uh, Where? What do you mean? Where do you get the melanoma? Yeah, where in his body? I'm not asking in variety. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I wasn't his doctor. Okay. Thanks for calling, Poe. Bye. So there was this great line in the Sunshine Boys <laughs> where, like, uh, George Burns and... Uh, uh, Walter Matthau is sitting like you know two like eighty year old you know guys ex vaudeville guys and one guy and, and George Burns goes, did you hear that uh, Louis Schwartz died and he goes no where he goes in Variety all right it's Paul Simon on Jr and the obvious child you know where it is. Strange that some moons are like ages. 
dark song by uh, Paul Simon. Never really honestly listened to those lyrics, man. It's just, uh, as usual, stunningly uh, cynical and uh, bitter and um, deceptively, you know, the music like he did in 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover and so many songs, the music uh, is really um, deceptive and sort of, uh, you know, leads you down this uh, sort of contradictory emotional path because... We have uh, all of these conflicting emotions. And, uh, you know, he, does, he starts off, you know, w with this. It kind of reminds me of uh, his other song, uh, My Hometown. And he paints this sort of uh, arc of uh, multiple generations. You know, he starts off, you know, that he, you know, he's sort of on the uh, other side of the hill. I'm accustomed to a smooth ride. You know, maybe I'm like a dog who's lost his bite. Don't expect to be treated like a fool no more. Don't expect to sleep through the night. <laughs> so, you know, but then uh, later on he says, you know, but in remembering a road sign, I'm remembering a girl when I was young. And we said, these songs are true. These, these days are ours. These tears are free. And uh, the cross is in the ballpark. Like uh, Poe pointed out, he should have known a lie is a lie is a lie. And, uh, you know, he goes, had a lot of fun and made a lot of money, had a little son, thought we'd call him uh, Sonny. Sonny gets married, moves away, has a baby, bills to pay. He gets sunnier day by day by day. And me, now, I've been waking up at uh, sunrise, following the light across my room, watch the night receive the room of my day. Some people say the sky is just the sky, but I say... Why deny the obvious, child? You could sit here in, in your own room and see, you know, the world, life is just speeding away. And now his, his progeny, Sonny, sits by the window and thinks to himself how it's strange that some rooms are like cages. 
and his yearbook from high school is down from the shelf, and he idly thumbs through the pages. Some have died, some have fled from themselves, struggled from here to get there, and he wanders beyond his interior walls and runs his hand through his thinning brown hair, and he thinks, I'm accustomed to a smoother ride, and maybe I'm a dog that's lost his bite, so the arc is complete. And some people say, you know, a lie is just a lie. But I say the cross is in the ballpark. Why deny the obvious? And, you know, maybe growing up as a Jew in New York City, that even has a sort of more special meaning. Um, because, you know, we saw these crosses uh, growing up, and it just reminded us, you know, that uh, they that, that they weren't putting up, um, even when I wasn't religious, you know, they weren't putting up symbols of my religion, of my heritage in the ballpark. Um, and uh, even though uh, they say that it's, you know, sort of uh, land of the free, home of the brave, everybody's equal, no, you know, mishamashing religion and state, you know, uh, why deny the obvious? Hamas bombers attacked an Israeli-Gaza border crossing under the cover of fog today, detonating two jeeps made to look like Israeli military victim uh, vehicles and packed with hundreds of pounds of explosions. So this was just a couple of days after uh, Jimmy Carter uh, met with the leaders of Hamas and were seen embracing, uh, you know, that guy. The twin blast just hours before the Jewish Passover holiday wounded 13 Israeli soldiers in what Hamas said was an attempt to break the nearly year-long blockade of the territory. Four Hamas assailants died according to Israeli officials. Meanwhile, former U.S. President Jimmy Carter met with senior Hamas leaders in Damascus, Syria, for a second day to hear their views, defying U.S. and Israeli warnings that doing so would grant the group legitimacy. I don't believe you can grant this group legitimacy. And just saying that it will is one of these things that it just doesn't fucking make it so. Maybe he's meeting with them because he realizes they're a force to be reckoned with and someone's got to meet with them. But this posture that we always take with our sort of nose in the air and say, well, I don't acknowledge you. You're a mass murdering cocksucker, you know, uh, and we don't do business with people like you. You know, that's fucking bullshit. If they got the bombs, talk. you got to fucking talk to them. Either that or you got to kill them. You can't uh, just, you know, fucking put your nose in the air and say you're above that. Israeli Defense Minister Ehud Barak later visited the area when the time comes Hamas will bear the consequences, Barack warned. Uh, so this is all they do. They, they, they have this sort of tay-to-tay where whenever one of the other side does something horrible, the other side feels totally vindicated in anything they could possibly do. Well, now this fucking takes the cake, you know, they think. After this, uh, certainly I'm justified in killing as many of those motherfuckers as I want. And, the, and then the other side feels vindicated in their next move. And it, and it never ends. And to prove it, this same particular feud going on between the Arabs and the Israelis in one form or another um, has been going on for, you know, maybe 5,000 fucking years. Five, I'm talking 5,000 years. How many generations is that? A heavier federal hand is reaching into American lives as po- politicians in both parties demand an overhaul of government financial regulation and more protection for homeowners in the face of mortgage woes and a weakening economy. The rush to regulate also was apparent in the recent crackdown on the airlines, 
resulting in thousands of grounded flights for safety inspections as the government beefs up its enforcement of existing laws. There's been mounting proposals for tougher government rules to address climate change. High corporate salaries have come under attack on Capitol Hill as of, uh, uh, have uh, industry, uh, oil industry profits and the rising food costs. So the government is getting pissed off at people for raising their prices. Advocates of more aggressive government action see it as a boon to ordinary Americans struggling in economic hard times. But those favoring a, t- a lighter federal touch worry that the pendulum will swing too far toward regulation, stifling economic growth and efficiency. There's always the danger, said Jack Kemp, former New York congressman, housing secretary in the first Bush administration and 1996 Republican vice presidential nominee. We do have to be concerned about overregulation. And man, let me tell you, we do not want our fucking government in our fucking pants uh, every time we go to make a, a mortgage deal. Um, you know, all this is going to mean is like miles of fucking red tape and bullshit to go through. I mean, the government's in our lives enough. They tell us how fast we can drive. They tell us on what fucking side of the street we can walk. They tell us every fucking thing. They tell us who we could fuck and how much we owe them when we stop fucking them. We really do need to get the government uh, out from up our asses. And let me tell you, with... You know, true laissez-faire capitalism with true deregulation. Man, what a fucking world it would be. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if any airline could fly from New York to Miami? We were just talking about this the other day, that the reason that airline service sucks is the same reason any service sucks, is because there's no incentive, there's no competition. And the reason there's no competition is because these airlines take, you know, uh, you know 30% out of every fucking ticket to spend on lobbying for these ridiculous, you know, regulations and and shit that benefit them. That's the uh, uh, great thing about um, having so much money is that you can hire these people who do nothing all day but whisper in the ears of senators and congressmen, people you and I have no access to at all. They have fucking lunch with them every single day telling them what their fucking point of view is. Imagine if you had such a person in government, say, I don't know, your senator or your congressman. No, but that that's too much to ask for. And one of the things that they have asked for, the airlines, that is, and have received along the way, is that international airlines cannot fly local routes in the United States. Now, why, you ask, that is? Well, because it's protectionist to make it easier for American Airlines to make a profit without having to work too hard. So we all know what Virgin Atlantic and Air France and and these and El Al, these airlines are fucking uh, the Waldorf Astoria compared to the shitholes that we, you know, the shit uh, airplane rides that we have to take on local routes. But if they allowed those airlines to start flying locally around the United States, like like every other country in Europe lets them do, then there'd be some real fucking competition. And then the shit would be good. Although President Bush a month ago urged Congress not to overreact to the housing Congress, to the housing crisis, uh, he has since extended the Federal Housing Administration's reach and empowered mortgage finance giants Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to make up uh, to $200 billion more in loans. 
So the, 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 the Republicans, of course, are always the people who talk about smaller government, but they're the ones who really end up, uh, uh, you know, up our asses. Uh, you're tuned into the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. It's, uh, I don't know, it's probably like Saturday, probably like April. I'm guessing, you know, the 19th. Probably uh, as for the year, I don't know, 2007, 8, 9, somewhere in there. And time marches on. And then time stands still. And the time on my hands. And then time to kill. And then blood on my hands. And hands in the till. Down at the 7-Eleven. And a gentle rain falls on me. And all life folds back into the sea. And we contemplate eternity. Beneath the vast indifference of heaven. Warren Zevon on Jester Radio. Don't fuck with that dial. It gets good right now. Don't Bruce and Patty don't 
of the huge pink maps, the solitary mourner of a prince. Queen Victoria, I am cold and rainy. I am dirty as a glass roof in a train station. I feel like an empty cast iron exhibition. I want ornaments on everything because my love, she gone with other boys. Queen Victoria, do you have a punishment under the white lace? Will you be short with her? Make her read those little Bibles. Will you spank her with a mechanical corset? I want her pure as power. I want her skin slightly musty with petticoats. Will you wash the easy bidets out of her hair? Queen Victoria, I'm not much nourished by modern love. Will you come into my life with your sorrow and your black carriages and your perfect memory? Queen Victoria, the 20th century belongs to you and me. Let us be two severe giants, not less lonely for our partnership, who discolor test tubes in the halls of science who turn up unwelcome at every world's fair heavy with proverb and correction 
Confusing the star-dazed tourists With our uncomparable sense of love <laughs> Leonard Cohen on Jester Radio The 20th century belongs to you and me Let us be two severe giants Not less lonely for our partnership <laughs> who discolor test tubes in the halls of science, who turn up unwelcome at every world's fair, heavy with proverbs and corrections, confusing the star days tourists with our incomparable sense of loss. Leonard Cohn on Jazz Radio with his cryptic and brilliant lyric. Warren Zevon before that and his stunningly sad, the vast indifference of heaven. Same old sun, same old moon, it's the same old story, same old tune. They all say, someday soon my sins will be forgiven. I had a girl, now she's gone. She left town, town burned down. Nothing left but the sound of the front door closing forever. And a gentle rain falls on me. And all life folds back into the sea, and we contemplate eternity beneath the vast indifference of heaven. And there's El Cohen for you on Jester Radio. And you've been listening to the Ravings of a Clown this Saturday, April the 19th, hanging in the Jester Radio chat room with uh, little Lulu. Why not stop by and say hi? And uh, also, give us a call, 646-502-8600, gets you live on the air. Maybe you got something to say. Maybe you got something you want to hear. Um, all of that can be accomplished by simply uh, heading over to jesterradio.com, keeping in mind all the while that there are two R's in that URL. I'll leave it to you to decide where they go. And uh, when you arrive, click on the chat, or we got a podcast going on there. There's like a... Uh, a store where you could buy, I think, underwear with my picture on it. There's like a whole cool lyric section. So there's a lot going on there. Oh, yeah, and there's the donate button. Feel free to just keep pounding away on that. Every time you click on that, we get, I think, like a nickel or something. I'm not sure how that works. I think it's with Microsoft. Anyway, uh, no, seriously, um, if you like what we're doing here, please stop by and click that donate button. Show us how you feel. It means so much to us. Sandra Bullock and her husband were unhurt. Sit down. Unhurt. Calm down. Relax. Put down the phone. They're fine. After a head-on crash with a drunken driver, police said today, the actress and her husband, Jesse James, of TV's Monster Garage, were being driven in a sport utility vehicle yesterday when a station wagon crossed the center line and smacked into him. Both vehicles were totaled, but nobody was hurt. The vehicles were traveling 15 to 20 miles per hour. The other car was driven by Lucille Gatchel, who registered a blood alcohol level of 0.2%, which is more than twice the legal limit of 0.08%. She was held by Gloucester. Uh, Massachusetts police overnight and released uh, today on her own recognizance. She'll be arraigned on Tuesday in Gloucester Court. Gatchel did not immediately return uh, calls uh, from Jester Radio. Bullock, 43, was gracious and concerned about whether Gatchel was okay, according to the cop. 
So she was totally gracious. Most of the cases that come across Judge Barbara Walther's bench are quiet affairs, divorces, drunk driving violations, kind of small-town disputes that sprout up in places where land and livestock are more plentiful than people. But in these past two weeks, this no-nonsense state district judge has found herself at the center of one of the most convoluted, unruly custody cases in U.S. history, hurting hundreds of lawyers while dozens of reporters camp out on the lawn of the historic columned courthouse that sits in the center of San Angelo, Texas. This is the judge that's been presiding over this whole fiasco, and uh, she's really been, you know, sort of a, you know, small fry her whole career, and now the whole world is watching. She's not like a Judge Ito, who's like totally, you know, Hollywood, gone Hollywood. Those who know her say Walther did what she always does. She needled yammering lawyers, refocused wandering questions, and then ruled. No uh, drawn-out testimony, no taking the case under advisement, no lengthy written ruling later on. After 21 hours of testimony over two days, Walther took a short break, took a piss, apparently, and then ruled last night the 416 children taken from the polygamous sect and placed in state custody are going to stay there, she said. Walther also ordered all the kids and their parents to have uh, DNA tests. She will rule, and that's something in a judge's personality that lawyers really appreciate, said uh, Guy Cote, a longtime San Angelo attorney. Her attitude is, I may be right or I may be wrong, but I'm not uncertain. <laughs> Walther was the first Republican elected to cover the five-county area that includes San Angelo and sparsely populated adjacent counties, including the polygamous sects uh, Schleicher County, which she was uh, elected in 1992. She hasn't had an opponent since. 50-year-old uh, Broad comes from a longtime San Angelo family. Uh, she's married to a prominent radiologist in this little city of 90,000 people. Walther survived the polio epidemic that slammed uh, San Angelo back in the 1950s, infecting the town's people at a rate of one in 124. She still wears a leg brace. Uh, her manner, uh, that of self-proclaimed simple country judge, helped control a chaotic case that includes hundreds of lawyers, one for each child and one for each parent. We're going to handle this the best we can, she said, at the outset of a hearing required to continue the state's temporary custody. There were so many lawyers that an auditorium with a video link had to be added because the deep courtroom that sat roughly 200 people wasn't enough. Just for the fucking lawyers wasn't enough. Throughout the hearing, lawyers popped up from their seats to make objections, often simultaneously, and then they queued up in the aisle or in front of the auditorium for a chance to raise their objections or question witnesses. It was uh, often difficult to determine which attorney should be allowed to talk next. And at one point, she called on an attorney who wasn't even objecting. <laughs> it's like a cattle auction. If you scratch your nose, you bought it, Walther says in a chorus of laughs. Walther preppered the hearing with humor, easing frustrated attorneys and nervous witnesses. When one of the lawyers sniped, uh, that he didn't understand why another lawyer was following a particular line of questioning. Walther quipped, if I knew the purpose of any lawyer's question, I wouldn't be sitting here. To get a soft-spoken mother in a pioneer-style dress to speak loudly enough for everyone to hear, Walther leaned toward the witness box and said, pretend you're yelling at a child far, far away. <laughs> and the otherwise stoic woman smiled. Walther, who cannot be reached for comment today, once they found out who we were, has a lot of experience with family law cases before being elected. And back in 92, the Southern Methodist University law graduate 
served as a special master in family law position that allowed her to hear parts of family law cases in the place of a judge. Coat, who isn't involved in the polygamist uh, custody case but has tried other cases before Walther, said that uh, she was really made for this case and I thought uh, did a terrific job under incredibly adverse conditions. So he's a lawyer that frequently goes before this judge, so naturally he's, he's kissing her ass. But uh, it is generally what everybody seems to say, that she's the right woman, tough, uh, no-nonsense, uh, broad, who uh, listens to arguments and rules and moves on. And that's uh, important because, you know, especially in this day and age, the wheels of justice grind slowly. The Oklahomans and victims' relatives paused today at the Oklahoma City National Memorial for a simple, poignant ceremony to remember the 168 people killed 13 years ago in the bombing of the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building. The attack on April 19, 1995. Man, it's hard to believe it was fucking 13 years ago. Feels like yesterday, doesn't it? Still uh, is the deadliest act of domestic terrorism in U.S. history. The evil act uh, perpetrated here illustrated the depths of human depravity, said Governor Brad Henry. But Oklahomans met tragedy with triumph. From such a horrible crime came tales of astounding goodness. At 2 a.m., the moment of the bombing, people attended the service, uh, observed 168 seconds of silence for each of the bombing victims, uh, and the victims' names were also read out loud. Interesting how they come up with these weird-ass numbers and symbolic things, you know, 21-gun salute or 68-gun salute or 168-second moment of silence, one second for each. Why does everybody get a second? Why doesn't everybody get two seconds? Why doesn't everybody get a minute? And it should be 168 minutes of silence. Before the ceremony, relatives of the victims placed wreaths and mementos on the memorial symbolic glass and bronze chairs, each one representing a victim of the bombing. Deb Hodges, wife of bombing victim Jean Hodges Jr., Department of Housing and Urban Development worker who was killed on the seventh floor of the building, looked at a picture drawn by her granddaughter that had been placed on his chair. Time has allowed her to move on, but it doesn't get better. It gets different, but you adjust. You never forget, she said. You know, not to be cold. <laughs> Seriously, not to be cold. But, you know, I mean, like I have lost a lot of people in my life. Some people really, really close to me. I don't mean like I misplaced them in the mall. I mean they dropped dead at some point in my life. And I don't know that... Um, it's any worse for people to lose a loved one in a bombing than it is to lose a loved one to sudden death syndrome or anything in between. So I think a loss is a loss. So I, what I do think is we sort of have this, um, uh, you know, sort of Maury Povich kind of thing going in the United States where everybody's feelings are so, like, grossly exaggerated and tragic and over-dramatized um, you know, when something bad happens, my sister died, you know, a couple of months ago. Uh, my brother, you know, died when I was uh, 23 years old. Stuff happens in your life. You scoop your shit up and you get back on the fucking horse or whatever metaphor you got going for you there and you, and you trot off or whatever. You move on. But a lot of times what we do, especially when we, when we lose a bunch of people together, 
like at 9-11 or Oklahoma City, we sort of feed off each other's sadness and drama and we perpetuate it. So they have this like, you should see this thing, man. They've devoted this huge piece of property to this memorial of the uh, 168 people who died. And it's got to cost a couple of million dollars. Each person gets like a marble and glass chair. And they, I don't, I don't even know what the chair thing is about. And then everybody sits on the chair or places stuff on the chair. Uh, and these things have to be maintained and, you know, not meaning to be cold to these people. But what the fuck? You know, it's just, uh, um, you know, let's just grieve the way normal people grieve. But 13 years ago, man, I don't think I was going to my brother's grave 13 years later. Um, you know, wailing over his grave and putting shit on his chair. Um, I think we sort of, uh, you know, c kind of uh, encourage this kind of uh, d over dramatic, uh, you know, uh, whining and shit, you know, when people experience a loss. A loss is terrible, you know, no matter who you are, but um... anyway. You're listening to The Ravings of a Clown on Jest Radio. It's Saturday, April the 19th. And this is Nick Cave in the Bad Seats. Into my arms, O oh Lord, 
into my arms, oh Lord, into my arms, oh Lord, into my arms. But I believe in I know that you do too And I believe in some kind of path Though we can walk down me and you So keep your candles burning Make a journey bright and pure That you'll keep returning Always and evermore Into my arms Oh Lord Into my arms Oh Lord Into my arms Oh Lord Into my arms Got a bottle of tequila, a bottle of gin And if I bring a little music, I could fit right in We got airplane rides, we got California drowning out the window side We got big black cars and we got stories how we slept with all the movie stars I may take a holiday in Spain my wings behind me, drink my worries down the drain, and fly away to somewhere new. Hop on my choo choo, I'll be your engine driver in a bunny suit. If you dress me up in pink and white, we Maybe just a little fuzzy about it later tonight She's my angel, she's a little better than the one that used to be with me Cause she liked to scream at me Man, it's a miracle that she's not living up in a tree I may take a holiday in Spain Leave my wings behind me Drive this little Probably fix it if we clean it up all day Or we could 
Simply pack our bags and catch a plane to Barcelona Cause this city's a drag I made Take a holiday in Spain Leave my wings behind me place to go but there's a girl waiting for me down in mexico she's got a bottle of tequila a bottle of gin and if i bring a little music i could fit right in we got airplane rides we got california drowning out the window side we got big black cars and we've got stories how we slept with all the movie stars i may take a holiday in spain leave my wings behind me drink my worries down the drain, and fly away to somewhere new. Counting Crows on Jester Radio. A lovely, beautiful, but sad thought. This is almost as if uh, the song lyric is sweet and hopeful, but the music is sad and reserved. Because sometimes we feel both ways. Sometimes we feel... A bunch of different ways our feelings conflict, and sometimes that is reflected in our music. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, before that, also a song that sounded kind of sad, but if you listen to it, he said, and I believe in love, and I know that you do too, and I believe in some kind of path that we can walk down, me and you. So keep your candle burning, make your journey bright and pure that she will keep returning always and evermore into my arms. He's actually, it's a prayer for an atheist. He says, I don't believe in an interventionist God, but I know, darling, that you do. But if I did, I would kneel down and ask him not to intervene when it came to you, not not to touch a hair on your head, to leave you as you are. So, you know, even the poet uh, can, you know, uh, you know, bring up uh, fictional characters if they suit you if the metaphor suits you so he doesn't believe in God but if he did he would pray that he wouldn't do anything on your behalf to leave you just as you are and if he felt he had to direct you then direct you into my arms how fucking beautiful is that that's his that's the one and only prayer he would have the starving kids there would they would be next they would be right after A former mayor of a California high desert town and his wife have been sentenced to six months in jail for the theft of more than 20 grand from Little League coffers. Jim Neiman's 50 and Kelly Neiman's 44 pleaded guilty to grand theft by embezzlement and perjury on Thursday. The eight-year councilman and Adelanto, California mayor, had resigned from his post back on March 31st, about a week before he and his wife were busted. 
The former mayor was president of the Adelanto Little League, and his wife was a board member during the years the money uh, from the league's annual fireworks sale went missing. Money was taken over a period of three years starting in 2004. So they, they, they you know, dipped like seven grand each year. The mayor, the mayor of the city was stealing money from the Little League fund. A gust of wind blew a two-year-old in a stroller into Lake Michigan where the boy remained submerged for at least 15 minutes before being pulled out unconscious but alive. I mean, 15 minutes, that's it. He's, you know, that's it. He's going to be calling everyone Stanley for the rest of his life. The child's grandfather, who had been pushing the stroller on the lakeside uh, yesterday afternoon, jumped into the harbor to try and save the boy. Witnesses said the frantic grandfather struggled in the frigid water uh, just off the 70-foot-long pier, pointing a few feet away and shouting, Child! Uh, He was uh, moaning in the breakwater, crying, uh, according to John Dershfield, who then called uh, 911. Winds at the time were about 20 uh, to 30 miles an hour. The boy was in critical condition at Children's Memorial Hospital last night. A hospital spokeswoman declined to comment today. The grandfather, who appeared to be uh, in his 60s, was in fair condition today at St. Joseph's Hospital, where he's being treated for exposure. What a fucking nightmare. What a nightmare. When Louisa Lippitt died in 1912, the wealthy widow left $4,000 to Rhode Island Hospital on the condition that the money be used to provide a permanent free bed for needy patients to be selected by a favored charity. A successor to the charity she selected rediscovered her bequest when it dusted off its archives, but the free bed is now long gone. Now Children's Friend and Services suing to get the health care back. The hospital said it already provides millions of dollars in free care, but the charity said it needs to do more to fulfill the pledge and made it to uh, lip it to 96 years ago, so now they're going to stick to it. It just seems illogical to me that a quote-unquote permanent free bed, which is by its very name suggests that it's supposed to last forever, could somehow not last forever, said Mark Swerbalas, the lawyer for the organization. If it had been modestly invested, Swerbalas said Lippitt's donation of four grand 96 years ago, would be worth $1.5 million today. On Tuesday, a judge will hear arguments on the hospital's motion to dismiss the lawsuit. Rhode Island Hospital was among many facilities, especially in the Northeast, that had these free bed funds through which donors could set aside a hospital bed for the poor. In Rhode Island Hospital case and others, officials say interest from those funds continues to help cover health care costs for people who can't afford them, though not the specific bed. Hospital spokeswoman Gail Carvelli said money donated for free beds was put into a restricted account that pays for charity care, but she couldn't see, say how much in that account or how much of its funds were spent annually. So basically what they're saying, yeah, we spend a lot of money each year on charity. Don't give us this crap about four grand from, you know, 96 years ago that we have to, uh, you know, keep uh, paying on. One and a half million dollars would be there now. Snickers, the sea dog, is barely more than a pup, but he's already an old salt. The eight-month-old pooch spent three months adrift in the Pacific with his owners and a parrot until their 48-foot sailboat ran aground in December on this tiny fanning island 1,000 miles south of Hawaii. Snickers and Gulliver had to be left behind as their owners hitched a ride on a cargo vessel. No parrots allowed. No dogs allowed either. 
Then in March, the SOS was sent out uh, in a boating journal that the orphaned critters were to be destroyed on Fanning Island, one of 33 scattered coral atolls that make up the remote islands of Kinbody. As word spread, a bevy of people worked to rescue the cocker spaniel and the macaw, including some guy who desperately wants to adopt them, apparently, and uh, he loves animals. He got the Norwegian line to uh, take the uh, animals, drop them off at Oahu Island in Hawaii, where they were in quarantine for a while, and then they are sent to Los Angeles, and then Hawaii Airlines paid for all the uh, transportation, and they uh, then they got the uh, animal shelter to kick in some money for the uh, to keep the dogs overnight and to feed them and I don't know what do you do with it entertain them, clothe them, whatever you do with a dog. Everybody fucking came together for this lousy parrot and this dog. What a world! And I think. Um, um, Eddie Harris said, uh, they hate the human, love that stinking mutt. Uh, here's some more. Uh, this one's got a, uh, Elliot Smith was really the master of doing this, uh, you know, sort of the music would be kind of cheery and lighthearted. And this one, it's actually a completely a cappella choral with uh, just the most gorgeous uh, chorus, all made up of little tiny Elliot Smiths. And uh, they're all just singing this beautiful sort of heavenly song. But if you listen to the words, it's just uh, magnificently heartbreaking. And then, of course, um, the irony, of course, is that in this, the song is called I Didn't Understand. And, and, you know, a lot of people say that. And, you know, they don't really mean it. They sort of act like they didn't understand. But they're, they're being obtuse they're being intentionally stupid because they do on some level understand but man you listen to this lyric and believe me you believe you really believe that this poor bastard really didn't understand that he uh, thought she meant something else and the great irony of course is that you know just a couple of years later uh, the poor bastard ended up hanging himself Elliot Smith on JR <laughs> You'd be looking for the next in line to love Then ignore, put out, put away And so you'd soon be leaving me alone Like I'm supposed to be tonight, tomorrow and every day There's nothing here that you'll miss I can guarantee you this Is a cloud of smoke Trying to occupy space What a fucking joke What a fucking joke To separate the both of us And take me off far away from you 
Cause my feelings never change a bit I always feel like shit I don't know why I guess that I just do You once talked to me about love And you painted pictures of A never, never land And I could have gone to that place But I didn't understand I didn't understand I didn't understand Uh, Beach Boy harmonies sort of sounds like a Island in the Sun song but then we you know listen more carefully thought you'd be looking for the next in line to love then ignore put out and put away that's the first line of the song and so you'd soon be leaving me alone like I'm supposed to be tonight tomorrow and every day there's nothing here that you'll miss I can guarantee you this is a cloud of smoke trying to occupy space. What a fucking joke. What a fucking joke. I waited for a bus to separate the both of us and take me f off far away from you because my feelings never changed a bit. I always feel like shit. I don't know why. I guess I just do. You once talked to me about love and you painted pictures of a never, never land. And I could have gone to that place, but I didn't understand. Elliot Smith on Jester Radio. And you know, like with all of his music, there's always sort of this sense that, um, you know, this terrible thing happened to him, but you know, he really expected no less. After all, there's nothing here that you'll miss. Just to guarantee you this is a cloud of smoke trying to occupy space. Another dog that ran off during a road trip uh, uh, rest stop in north-central Nevada apparently made its way 80 miles across Nevada's high desert and two mountain ranges to return home to Eli, Nevada. A week later, Moon, a Siberian husky, was reunited uh, last week on April 14th with owner Doug Daschle, who had last seen her on April 6th. Can you imagine missing your puppy for a week near a Railroad Valley, a distance uh, he later clocked at 77 miles? Moon, who's nearly two years old, was no worse for wear, with the exception of stinking like a skunk she apparently ran into along the way. I've had trouble with her running away before she always came home. But he admitted he this time he really didn't expect her to show up after a week had gone by. After seven days, no way, he told Jester Radio. Dashiell said he had taken his three dogs with him on a weekend trip to Tonopa, and when he let him out of his uh, truck near Railroad Valley, Moon took off. When a catch on her chain let go, she bolted into the sagebrush. Dashiell said he searched for her for several hours before he had to give up and head home. Last time he saw her, she was headed northwest, toward the uh, Duckwater Shoshone Reservation, so he called the tribal police there, but they turned up no trace of Moon. On April 14th, the White Pine Veterinary Clinic telephoned Dashiell to let him know that Moon was back in town. She had wandered up an Eli residence where Alvin Malia took her home, fed her, 
gave her a warm place to sleep. Malia said he called the clinic because the dog was wearing the clinic tag. Dashiell speculated that she might have lived on rabbits along the way, which would have taken her across White River and Ward Mountain Ranges. Can you fucking imagine 77 miles this dog trek to get back? Man, it just begs the fucking question, how the fuck do they do it? A Long Island man had to know he was going to be arrested when he called police to report that he had been robbed during a drug deal that went bad. Nassau County Police say Christopher Kononoko, 23, of Seaford, Long Island, called at 8.19 p.m. on Wednesday to say that he had just been robbed in New Hyde Park. Police said Kononoko was set up by two women who agreed to buy heroin at a local gas station. And while they were sitting in his car, a third person jumped in uh, and robbed him of 340 bucks, a cell phone, and his wallet. Police said Kononoko is charged with criminal sale and criminal possession of a controlled substance. Even though, even though they didn't find it on him, he admitted to it. <laughs> they didn't have to. And the women and the guy with the gun are now all in jail on charges of robbery and other stuff. That's why they committed the crime, because they never thought he would be so stupid as to actually report it to the police. Doesn't he realize that's what the mafia is there for? It's the same old story seems to come down from long ago. Two men having coffee, and something flies by their window. What? Fleetwood Mac on JR.
say there's a place down in Mexico where men can fly over mountains and hills. He don't need an airplane or some kind of engine, and he never will. Now you know it's a meaningless question to ask, 'cause those stories are right. What matters most is the feeling you get when you're hypnotized. When it seems like a dream, we got you hypnotized. This body has nothing. Shining in my 
But I know things will work out on Chester Radio, you went away. You were a light shining in my life, and you just went away. Rode like a light, right out of sight. You know, like um, how midgets, I don't know if you've ever seen the way a midget leaves the room. They don't get smaller and smaller. <laughs> like regular people, they just like, they vanish. And there's a little rainbow in their place. And that's the way she left me. Fleetwood Mac before that, and it seems like a dream has got me hypnotized. And there's a place down in Mexico where they say a man can fly over mountains and hills. And he don't need an airplane or some kind of engine, and he never will. And I know it's not a meaningless question to ask if these stories are right. It's the feeling you get when you're hypnotized. Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jest Radio. It's Saturday, April the 19th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Hanging with the Louie, lovely Louie and Lady V in the Jest Radio chat room. Why not stop by and say hi? 646-502-8600. Get you live on the air with your old pal. Got something to say about it? Well, now's the time. Step up like a man if you got a pair. If not, we understand. A Malaysian cop was arrested after he allegedly broke into a Mercedes-Benz to steal its stereo and then fell asleep on its luxurious seat. The police officer allegedly was also high on drugs and fell asleep while trying to steal a compact disc player. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you're in the middle of stealing something, you just sit back and go, oh, man, this is... And you just, especially if the seat's like nice leather. Uh, the car was parked at a hotel in southern Malacca State in Kuala Lumpur on Monday. According to the New Straits Times, the officer, who was not identified, is allegedly a member of a gang linked to other break-ins and motorcycle thefts. After his arrest, he led police to uh, three other alleged members of the gang. 
So being a cop, he knew that his only chance was to start singing like a canary. So all four of them are currently being detained. We're going to follow that one. I love the stories of the cops that go awry. A Dothan, Alabama man attempting to report to his probation officer and pay some fines was rearrested when he emptied his pockets for a metal detector at the Houston County Courthouse and laid out more than the usual coins and keys. Two bags filled with marijuana came out as well. Malcolm Williams, 51, tried to beat a hasty retreat when the drugs appeared on Thursday, but he was caught after a minor tussle and a failed attempt to taser him. <laughs> he reached into his pocket and pulled out a handful of change, U.S. currency keys, and the marijuana was evident in his hand. According to Houston County Sheriff Captain Antonio Gonzalez, every now and then you have somebody who forgets what they have in their pockets. Sheriff's investigators Rick Clement said deputies had to shackle Williams instead of handcuffing him because his arm was in a sling with a cast on it. So even with that, all that going for him, he still made a break for it. Fucking A. Let me tell you something. Anybody that doesn't run from the police is a moron who, like, calmly, you know, surrenders. I don't care who the fuck or what it is or what you've done or what they've done. It's just human nature to run from being restrained. Isn't it? And let me tell you, man, I had a close call one time. I took my buddy Laszlo back when they had the first, um, you know, uh, illegal alien uh, free ride, you know, whatever it was called, you know, where they let everybody go. Amnesty back in the 80s. Maybe it was like 83, 84, 85. So I took him down to uh, the immigration building. And as we're going through, I realized there's like 400 fucking cops and Marines and, 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 and Army guys fucking filling this whole building. And the guy, you know, makes me take my briefcase to put it through the x-ray machine to make sure, you know, I have no guns and knives. And I realized I got all my fucking shit in there, my, including my pipe, which was metal. So they see something metal, they're going to go right into it, and they're going to see my whole fucking schmear. So as I'm handing, the guy goes, okay, give me a briefcase. And as I'm handing it to him, I realize what's going on. And I turn to Laszlo and I say, is Neil outside? And he goes, what? <laughs> Neil's my brother who died like five years earlier. So I said, did you see him come? And I turned around and I said, excuse me, officer, I, we left somebody outside. And he's like, yeah. And he's like pulling the whole time. He's yanking on the briefcase. He's not letting go. So I'm like, so I turn back to him, and I swear to fucking God, I just look him right in the eye, and I go, yeah, I'll be right back. And I yank it out of his hand. And I just turn around, I walked out, man. It was like literally his face, his jaw was hanging down. But, you know, he figured I was dressed in a suit. I was some business guy. And I must have just treated him like I treat everybody, he figured. You know, he didn't even really figure... There was something I had to hide in there. I went around the corner, stashed it like under a car uh, in a little brown paper baggie and, or like a truck. And, you know, a couple hours later when we came back, it was all there, safe and sound. It was a, it was a happy story to the end. And by the way, I turned right around. I came back in. Then I handed my briefcase to the guy and I was like, hey, here you go. Like I was still like annoyed with him. And he was so, I pulled it off. Mayor Peter Massa put out a citywide cat call when his Maine Coon disappeared. Massa had an automatic call sent to 8,500 voters on Wednesday asking for his help in finding 
Max, can you imagine using the city's automatic telephone calling equipment to tell everybody your cat's missing? Well, why doesn't everybody get to use that? Turns out he didn't have to look too far. His wife, Val, says 14-year-old Max was found inside the wall of their house on Thursday morning. He had been missing since Tuesday. Val Massa says she doesn't know how the 20-pound cat got into the five-inch hole under the stairs. Max was dehydrated and hungry, but otherwise he was fine. They had put out a $500 reward on him, so I don't know who gets that. The, the, the wife? Indiana 55 is reopened after a truckload of human feces spilled onto the roadway. I'll give you a moment to absorb that. In northwestern Indiana's Crown Point, the driver told police he was hauling treated human feces from a water recycling plant in Portage when the load spilled at 10.30 a.m. on Thursday. The Lake County Hazardous Materials Response Team came to clean up the mess along with the Crown Point Fire Department and Indiana State Police. The northbound and southbound lanes on the highway were closed. Uh, during uh, the cleanup, the Indiana Department of Transportation cited the driver for an unsecured load, if you know what I mean. Oh, it doesn't say how many pounds, but, I mean, a truckload of human feces. Whoa. My eyes are, like, actually tearing up I'm think- as I'm thinking about it. A Romanian man has been fined for making 6,442 profane phone calls to <laughs> to, the, to an emergency number. 24-year-old man who lives in a village of southern Romania was identified in February and fined $223 in April after a checkup showed he was medically sound. Uh, police did not identify the guy, but... The environmental Zilai newspaper said he was a well digger and he reported that he called the 112 emergency number. That's like their version of uh, 911 in, in, in Bucharest. Uh, from November to January to swear at the operators. He used a prepaid mobile phone, which does not immediately make it possible to identify the caller. The newspapers say uh, that he denied he was the guy. It was reported that his mother said that he was a loader and that she saw him talking on the phone a lot, but she never knew who to. Romanian authorities say that over 90% of the calls to 112 are hoaxes or non-emergencies. In November, the European Union, which the Romania joined, you recall, back in 07, threatened legal action against Romania for their deficiencies in their 112 system, mainly the failure to locate callers who were on mobile phones. So uh, that's a big flaw in their system. They can't pin you down if you don't want them to. So this guy called hundreds and hundreds of times. They say 6,442 times uh, just to fucking <laughs> just to curse at them, just to curse at the 911 operators. Boy, these fucking people can't get a break. Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jest Radio. Don't fuck with that dial. It's Saturday night, April the 19th. And Daniel is traveling tonight on a plane. I can see his red taillights fading off into the distance, heading for Spain. Elton John on JR.
of ketchup in America. Carly Simon. There's a, a tortured lyric about what to do. You know? Should I get married? Should I commit myself? My friends from college, they're all married now. They have their houses and their lawns. They have their silent noons, tearful nights, angry dawns. Their children hate them for the things they're not. They hate themselves for what they are, and yet they drink, they laugh, close the wound, hide the scar. And then it ends with, well, okay, it's time we moved in together, raised a family of our own, you and me. That's the way I've always heard it should be. You want to marry me? We'll marry. But she's got a lot of ambivalent uh, feelings. People always say, well, I'm of two minds about that, or... Uh, You know, part of me wants to go and part of me, but the truth is we have a bicameral brain and we have conflicting thoughts and feelings all the time, sometimes uh, all at the same time, and it's confusing and it's difficult, and that's what causes us all this angst, and uh, it's important to know that all of those parts are there for a reason. The part that's sad is there because... Something bad happened, and you're sad about it. The part that's angry is there because you need to protect yourself, and that's your part that protects yourself. Part of you is happy because something good can come out of it, and you have to let all of those parts have their turn, driving the bus, because they're all living inside of us. We can't just sort of shut these parts you know, out that we don't want to hear from because then they're just going to make themselves heard some other way and uh, we just have to you know live we we accept the fact that you know life brings seasons and change every day one day it's sunny and the next day it's rainy sometimes it's four seasons in one day lying in the depths of your imagination worlds above and worlds below the sun shines on the black clouds hanging over the domain even when you're feeling warm the temperature could drop away. We will meet in that place where darkness never comes. Until that time, Eustace. All right, one more. This is definitely the last one. Good night. See you tomorrow. For a 
seasons in one day Lying in the depths of your imagination Worlds above and worlds below The sun shines on the black clouds hanging over the domain Even when you're feeling warm Temperature could drop away Seasons in one day Smiling as the shit comes down You can tell a man from what he has to say Everything gets turned around And I will risk my neck again, again You can't explain Four seasons in one day Blood dries up Like rain, like rain Fills my cup Like four seasons in one day Sleeping on an unmade bed Finding out wherever there is comfort there is pain Only one step away Like four seasons in one Thank you. See you again.